just us, huh? I guess it is just you and I. The dream team? We've, just, do, we've done one with just you and I before. Archery. Yeah, we did. It's just me, me and you in the showroom. Chilling like villains. Should we just do some shopping? Try some boots on? I've already tried all my boots. I got no more hunts left. I guess we got the Barbary sheep hunt. That's what I got left this year. How how excited are you about that? Pretty pumped. You're glad you did that now, aren't you? Yeah. I'm kind of pissed that I don't have any any uh, deer hunts. Yeah. Like a November hunt. I'm pretty uh, pissed are about. You, are you, though? Because on the backside of that, based on the last few hunts that we've had in November, they've been kind of frustrating. But I still like doing them. I know. I do, too. I just like being out there. Because it's what if. It's a great time of year. Uh, I'm kind of bummed out I didn't get uh, my original plans for the year is I was going to do a whitetail hunt in November. Yeah, I wanted to do a tree, tree stand whitetail hunt, and I never never did. I was banking on that I was going to draw Iowa this year. And you didn't. And I didn't. Yeah, and I was going to do Kansas, but then I drew New Mexico elk, I drew Utah elk, I drew some other permits, and I figured I'd better rein it in a little bit. I do have an Idaho deer tag, but I never went. It's over, huh? It's gone. It's done. Don't forget to do your harvest survey. Mandatory. Harvest survey. Yep. Also, uh, this podcast is going to be out before. I was going to say make sure you get your points for... Uh, Wyoming. Wyoming. 31st. Did you buy yours? Yeah. I did it two days ago. Yeah. Did you just buy them for yourself? Or did you You got like a, a crew of people that you buy for? Just me. Mm. It's kind of pricey. I got... Oh, it's pretty cheap. 50 bucks. <laughs> yeah, 50 bucks. But then you do that for four people. <laughs> oh, yeah. For multiple <laughs> people. For yourself, it's not... I just do deer and elk. Yeah. You don't do antelope? Oh, antelope too. Yeah. That one's like... I guess I didn't do elk this year because I drew. Yeah, that's right. You did. I had a bunch of people hit me up like, how did you draw it two years in a row? I said, I got lucky, dude. How uh, how was that? How was the hunt? Yeah. Oh, it was great. You and, you and Josh? Just th- slaughtered them. We had redemption. Redemption, yeah. me- redemption by, year. By Blood. Was that the movie? That was the movie. You and Josh, you guys we went up there and bow hunted elk last year. Josh hit a bull, and you guys looked for two days for it. Never found it. it. Never, never found it. I know Josh was pretty broken up about it. Yeah, as, and you, then as you are. And then you guys drew this year, and you went back for a little redemption. Yeah, we were going to do archery, but then I drew that New Mexico tag, so I didn't have too much time for archery hunting. So we just did the rifle. Yeah, and I, I think the timing that I went was pretty damn good. When did you go? I went what October sixth. Okay. Were they beagling? They're still bugling, and you're kind of past that first wave of a shit ton of people on opening day. Okay. So I didn't see near the amount of people that I was expecting to see. Were Just you still seeing people? Mm, not really. Not not bad. And I ran like an outfitter, and he told me, he's like, dude, opening week in here is a zoo. Like it is, it's like the first 10 days of the season mm-hmm. is just a, a zoo. And it's interesting that you went in there. You know, six 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 days after the opener, right? Yeah. Is that right? And you guys, yeah, I think yeah, probably because we were in a different spot. So by the time we got to this other spot, yeah, it was probably like eight days. Okay, but you still, f- I mean, you still found elk, right? Yeah. Even though there've been a bunch of people in there. Oh yeah, elk everywhere. Bulls still bugling. Bulls still bugling. I mean, you go. I mean, there's probably probably shot up a little bit. Like your chances of finding a good bull might be a little bit. Yeah. Tricky. It could have been shot up opening day. Sure. But. How I mean, was you, how was it? Oh, it was great, <laughs> dude. We shot two elk in one day. It doesn't get any better. On the second day you were in there, or first full day? It would have been yeah. So we hiked in, and it was like evening when we got to the top. So then we camped, and then woke up that next day. 
shot one in the morning, got his all cut up, and then heard a bugle, like, last light, went down there, shot shot another one. Yeah. <laughs> Two in one day. Oof. That's a lot. Oh, my God. It was pure <laughs> meat shuttle after that. Two days. Two Just days a, to get to a train. Huh. So, I mean, number of bulls. Did you guys shoot the first two bulls that you saw? Or did you see? Uh, basically. <laughs> I mean, we saw there's definitely more more elk in there. I mean, the ones that we were seeing were, like, way too far off. Mm-hmm. Like, the first morning, we're in this huge basin. We're looking at a bunch of elk far off. And these bulls were on the other side. And they came into our into our basin, just bugling their heads off. He had, like, 50 cows with him. Oh, really? Yeah. So, like, we could hear bugling. And like, God, that bull's not that far. And all of a sudden, came over the top, dropped right into our basin, pushing cows around. And so, what was your technique? Was it just mostly spot and stock? Yeah. Or did you, did yeah, you, just did you do any calling? I called mine in, yeah. So, so call, that evening, that so we, yeah, we could hear it bugling, bugling. And it's like this perfect saddle right below us. And there's a, you can see a trail just coming right out in the saddle. And he was in this dark timber face. And on the other face, it's like feeding. So we knew he was probably just staging in that dark timber, just walk around bugling. Probably 30 or 4 minutes. And I just kept giving him cow calls, cow calls. And I'm sitting on this like bluff just on my ass with my bipod all the way up like so I could see over the sage. Mm-hmm. 180 yards to that trail. And he, and he just beelined it out? About like 40 minutes after, yeah. Did he come out on his own or with all the cows? By, by himself. I think it was like I was giving him so many cow calls. Like he knew there was cows over there. Yeah. But I don't think he was, he wasn't committing like hard. Yeah. Did you ever bugle at him? Mm-mm. Did you carry a bugle at all? No. No. Forgot it. <laughs> Just cow calls. Dude, he comes out, ex- I mean, exactly to where I thought he was coming out. Just gun ready to go. Comes out. Stop him 180 yards. He's like quartering two. Mm-hmm. Hit him right in the shoulder, you know. Knocks him down onto his ass. Falls all the way back onto his ass. I'm like, oh, he's done for. Gets back up, runs off. How far did he go? Like 20 yards. Did you, get an- you didn't get another bullet any of them? No. Huh. And then he just ran. It was just ran right back in the dark timber where he was at like 20 yards and died. How far from Josh's bull was he? Probably like half mile. So not bad. No. Even though you guys had already killed a bull that morning, he, you know Josh one shot. One shot. So you you already done some shooting in there and took taking care of a bull, and then you still had yeah, other. Yeah, he's like we're like at the very top of the mountain. Probably if you and it's the same same ridge system. You just walk down that ridge about half half mile further, and there he was. You guys backpack hunting, or mm-hmm. were you okay in their ways? Probably three and a half, four miles. That's a fair amount. <laughs> what was the weather like? Did you guys get any weather or was it pre- pretty warm still? It's perfect, perfect weather. Sounds like a perfect hunt. Dude, 60 degrees, got down to like 30s at night, like pretty chilly in the mornings. Yeah. It's just like your ideal weather you want. Yeah, that's a cool opportunity. I love that in Wyoming. You know, same same goes with Montana. You draw those general season permits. You know, if you've got the time and you want to go up and bow hunt, you can do so for, you know, relatively cheap. You just got to buy the, you know, the extra archery stamp. Yeah. And if you don't fill your tag, you can go back and rifle hunt, which is, you know, what you guys did this yeah. year. So that's cool. Yeah, it was, Wyoming's the best. So you got, you got two elk in the freezer. Yeah. <laughs> and that brings us to the topic of this podcast, and that is 
kind of meat processing, how we break down animals, how we process our meat. Yeah, I just all got all that good fun. Yeah, I just got back from a hunt with my brother in Idaho, and it was his his first hunt. He hasn't hunted since he was a kid, since you know, and, and he's never taken a big game animal. And uh, you know, I hunted with him for the week, and we, you know, we didn't kill anything. We had some close calls, and you know, if we had a cow tag, we'd have filled filled that. But it was antlered only. But um, one of his questions, you know, because he had some more days after I came home. Uh, he was worried about going on his, out on his own because he didn't know how to take care of it. He's like, right. I, don't, I don't know what I'd do with it, right? I mean, do you think that that's like a common? I get that quite a bit. Oh, People yeah. are like, I don't, I don't know, how, I don't know what I'd do with it if I shot one. It's, it's. I remember when I first started western hunting. Like, it's, it's kind of, it's intimidating. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, even even if you have done a broke down like whitetail, like it's a it's a different right like i'm i'm gutting a white tail and i'm dragging it back full yeah and then i'm completely like hanging it and like skinning it yep well, i think when we grew up at least when i grew up i mean i'm in my 40s now but i remember you know the first deer i shot we gutted uh actually the first few deer i shot we gutted i didn't start doing the you know the whole gutless quartering method until i was probably in my late 20s but even the first bull elk i shot you know i was 21 20 with my bow, um, I gutted it, even though I quartered the thing out. You know, it was just like you, what, what you did. You yeah. gutted, you gutted Got it, it, right? But, yeah, I mean, I remember my dad telling me, you know, the first time I was kind of struggling at it, and I told my brother this story too. I was telling him, you know, you could do it. You, you know, you'd be okay. You'd go out and deer hunt or elk hunt, and uh, you could take care of it. And I remember my dad told me, he just simply said, Everything on the inside's got to be on the outside. There you <laughs> and go. That was about that was about the instruction that I was given. So it's a little. It seems a little more. It is more complicated than that, but not really. It's pretty simple. Yeah. Just start cutting. So do you? You got? Do you still got your? You got? No. Got a deer? Got an elk? No gut anymore. So, sometimes we got that caribou. I guess I did gut. And we got a deer elk that we I shot. I did. In, I did gut the one in Wyoming. But that's the only time I'm gutting animals nowadays. Is like that situation we already had an elk down like we already had meat we had a pack out like and i shot it at night and it's just like we'll just gut it and work on it in the morning just to keep it cool make sure the meat doesn't go bad yeah so it was was this yeah same same way when we were caribou hunting you know we had one caribou loaded in backpacks we were headed back to camp you put a stock on another bull killed it it was, you know, kind of borderline getting dark and just order to save time. We knew we couldn't pack both of them out that night. So we just gutted your caribou and same thing with your elk. We just gutted it. So there's still still times when you got to gut an animal. Every once in a while. And let me tell you, gutting an elk is <laughs> the worst. <laughs> yeah, you can almost crawl up in them. Oh, my God. They're very big. It is the worst. Yeah. I was telling my brother that I'm like, he said, you know, how do you do it? If I, if I did gut it, how would I do it? Cause I, I think that's like the, f- I mean, the first step is to get the meat off, right? Whether that's, you know, if you gut the animal in order to cool it, you know, prop that cavity mm-hmm. open and, and get air circulating through the animal so that you're going to retain the meat, you know, or if you quarter them off, I mean, that's the, the whole goal is to get the meat off and get it cooling out. Right. But, um, you know, I was telling him, um, you know, the hardest part about an elk, a bigger, you know, bigger animal like an elk or a moose is, is just being able to get to get to it because they're so big. If you're by yourself, you know, trying to hold a leg and, and make that all work is really tough. Yeah, I th- I mean, shit, I probably, the first time I deboned an animal is probably with you. Yeah, like just the boneless. Yeah, like mm-hmm. really, yeah. really it, did it. Any tips and tricks for gutting an animal? 
if you had to? If you've ever been good, you know, like when I was a kid, I remember my dad taught me. He's like, oh, you you know, you cut around the anus, and then you do this whole butt out thing where you pull the, you know, yeah, pull it I'm not good at that. I've no, never, I never got that. No, it's. So the, I mean, that's what I carry. Like if I did have to go to saw. An, yeah, the saw. Well, yeah, I had I, a saw with me, luckily. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's one of the other reasons I carry a saw is if I do have to gut an animal, you know, you make that cut up the middle, you know, you work the lower intestines out, and then, you know, I make that saw cut between the pelvic bone, mm-hmm. and it just makes it so much easier to open the legs yeah. and, s- and pull everything out. Mm-hmm. You cut around the diaphragm and reach in, you know, cut the windpipe and just essentially pull everything. Yeah. I mean, I guess one tip I'd have is just put your hand up in there as far as you can and start cutting. <laughs> yeah. Because there's a lot of stuff you have to loosen up before you can do anything. Yeah. It really is that simple. It's like my dad said, everything on the inside has to be on the outside. Yeah. So yeah. I think the one the one part, like I've had my kid, you know, my oldest boy, I've had him, you know, kind of gut deer. <laughs> the one thing I think new hunters, they get confused by is that diaphragm, which is your, your muscle, right. that round muscle that separates the upper cavity, the lower cavity of the inside of the mm-hmm. animal. And if you don't know, you know, what you're doing there, essentially all you do is you just reach in, you just cut that diaphragm out, right? right? Once you cut that out, you can, you know, cut the windpipe and, like I said, pull everything, and it comes easy then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's usually, like, my main grip when I go all the way in there. It's like I cut the diaphragm so I can get into, like, the lungs, the liver, and then I reach all the way up in there, and then I cut his diaphragm, so, like, his throat. Mm-hmm. So then I grab that, and then that's what I'm pulling back, and I'm cutting Yep. as you pull that. Like, that's that thing will yank everything out it, it all comes out pretty quick yeah. when you get that done yeah the good old gun yeah but i was gonna that's what i was gonna say is my only tip is just you know carry a light pack saw if you're gonna skull cap an animal you can use that saw just as easy to cut that pelvic plate and just push the legs apart and everything comes out do you remember the first animal you deboned like you did co- gutless method gutless um don't remember had to have been an elk it's probably probably so like you were saying back in the day like your family did you guys we, we, debone we, we got gut? it we got it everything and then we would for whatever dumb reason i mean we would take you know if you're gonna gut an elk it might take you you know tw- 30 minutes 20 minutes whatever it takes we would gut the elk and then quarter the elk and then uh pack out quarters you know quarters whole um I think one of the reasons that we always did that, and, you know, I just was talking to my dad last week. He's, you know, one of the things he said is if you do the, you know, quartered out method, so you're, you're leaving the guts in, right? You're just pulling the four quarters off. One of the things he said, he's like, how do you get to the, you know, the tenderloins, which is that loin that right. lies up underneath the backbone, which I think a lot of people don't think that you can actually get to if you do the gutless method. But you can. It's and tricky, but you it, can. It's a little more tricky, but yeah. you can definitely do it. But that was one reason I think he always thought that you had to gut the animal because that's how you got to those inside tender lines. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so you were taking out quarters. Yeah, we were hauling quarters. Yeah, Which right? I think that is still super common way of – I think a lot of people still just take out their quarters. Yeah, I mean, it would be my preferred method if I didn't have to carry them so far, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, if you, you shoot an elk – you know, growing up in Utah, we did a lot of, you know, over-the-counter spike hunting. That was probably kind of where I cut my teeth as far as elk hunting goes. And, uh, you know, a spike's still small enough if you're not too far in. You know, you can throw a hind in a front in your backpack and make a couple trips, you know, get the get the tenderloins and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, it's still the best way. Like, if you can get if you can get the quarters out whole, you get a better product, right? Because they're I, easy to work with. And I come to learn most butchers 
prefer it that way. If you're going to take your meat into a butcher, most butchers want you to bring it out into quarters fully attacked to the bone. Mm-hmm. Like, we had a hard time. So my brother lives out in California, and we're driving back from Wyoming. Like, he wanted to drop his meat off at a butcher so that he could get it shipped out to him. We probably called 10 or 15 butchers, and they said, well, no, we don't take we don't take deboned meat. Yeah. Yeah, there's getting to be... There's getting to be far fewer people that even take wild meat in general, but you're right. It's tough to find a butcher that will take deboned meat. Like you've pulled the bone, you know, pulled mm-hmm. the meat off the bone in the film. And I think it's just because, you know, you increase, essentially you increase the surface area that they're going to have to touch, right? So as you pull those, um, you know, you pull the meat off a hind quarter. If you do it right, you pull it in, you know, essentially one big chunk, right? which isn't too bad, but you've increased the, you know, surface area for them that could potentially have like dirt or, you know, leaves yeah, or more grime cleaning, on it. More, more trimming. Cleaning. Yeah, more trimming. It's probably a little more work of like guessing what's which, what? what steak <laughs> is this. Not if you're a good butcher. Yeah, <laughs> they shouldn't be. I will say when we dropped it off at the butcher, they said, this is the best deboned elk that we've had all year. There you go. So I said, all right, we did it. We finally made it. Yeah, and I have talked to some butchers that have horror stories. Oh, yeah. That they'll get meat in that's just, you know, grimy, nasty. It's been dipped in the dirt. You know, they're cleaning it off. And, and I could see how if I was a butcher, that would be a nightmare to deal with. But So when it comes to quartering, mm-hmm. what are – because I think I learned some tips from you on – so, like, the trickiest part is your, your hind quarter, getting the hind quarter off your back legs. The front legs, most be- – if people know or don't know – you, they just come clean off. Like there's, there's, there's no, no bone, bone attaching them. You're no. just, you're cutting them clean off the cavity. Mm-hmm. Whereas your hindquarters, you're connected by your hip bone. Yep. And what, what, what's like the? You always have a good tips on how to like <laughs> get that one off. Yeah. What's, what's your go-to method? You come from the bottom. You come from the top. Yes, yeah, so I, I typically start from the top. So what? I, I, I mean, I guess if I go back. And we'll just do this for anybody that's maybe new to hunting. My first step, you know, I've got an animal down. I'm going to start the process is to cut a line up the backbone. So I'll start mid-body. I'll take a line and I'll run it all the way up to the back of the neck. Um, You know, that was another question my brother had was how do you get the head off without a saw, right? If you don't have a saw, it's pretty easy. You got that joint right there. I mean, if you feel your own back of your head, you feel that little bump. That right there is connected. It's kind of top of your spine, and you know, on an animal, you could essentially just cut yeah, right it's, down. It's it's the that. last spot where the yep. spine connects to your skull. Yep, and it's super easy. You cut down through that. You cut through the neck. You know, the head comes right off, no problem. But for me, I'll run that line up the back of the hide, uh, and I'll then run a line uh, across the body, like down towards the belly, and then I'll run a line up to like the front leg, kind of the elbow of the front leg, and I'll run a line down the back of the front leg, and then I'll cut around, you know, mm-hmm. the front leg, cut the hide. And from there, I'll just skin it out, um, you know, skin out the front quarter, and then like you were saying, have the easiest way is to have somebody hold that front quarter up, you know, hold the leg up, and then just start cutting from underneath, kind of in that armpit. And you just start cutting, you know, that connective tissue between, you know, the muscle and mm-hmm. and, and the body. And you simply, I was telling my brother, you just follow that plate. There's kind of a cartilage plate there in the front shoulder, and you can feel it if you stick your hand, you know, underneath right. it. And you just simply cut all the way around that. You pull that front quarter off. The quarter front quarter comes off super clean. And then for me, like kind of the next step is to uh, cut the back strap. So, you know, the back strap is that long piece of meat that runs along each side of the spine. 
and it's really easy. You just run your knife against the spine all the way down until it hits bone and then right against the ribs and you simply just kind of walk that thing, peel it out as you go. And then from there, you know, I'll trim it up, cut the neck meat out, put that in my loose meat bag. And then, you know, the next step is your, you know, your hind quarter. So exact same as the front quarter, all skin, you know, down the leg and then make a circle around the leg and then skin it off. And then my preferred method, I used to carry a saw because I thought, oh, you had to, saw you had to have a saw, you to know, cut through the to, to cut through that quarter, right? Okay. Yeah. But really what I do is I'll just start right at the spine and if you start cutting down along the spine, along that hind quarter, and you just start following the contour of the bone, and really, I mean, let that tell you what you're, what to do because, I mean, your knife will just follow right along the bone, you know, into that hip bone. I just start cutting that down until I get to a point where uh, you get to the ball socket and you've got that ball joint that sits in the socket. Once you get to that point, you can kind of have somebody lift, you know, that leg and then you can cut around kind of the bottom front and then along the back. And again, you just follow the bone. And when you get to that point, you've essentially cut it from the top and then kind of underneath and you hit that hip bone, it'll pop right out. Mm -hmm. You just got to have somebody there to help you, yeah. you know, hold it if you can. Right. If not, you know, ropes, I would say ropes are a, a great tip for... Yeah, you if, know, you're yourself, if you're by yourself, you, yourself. You tie it up. If you need to tie that quarter up a little bit, just give you some wiggle room to kind of work in underneath it. You can do that, but um, so yeah, you, you, you like to you like to, on the hip bone. You like to start from the. I like the top. to start from the top. Yeah, from the spine, working your way down. Working your way down as far as you can. Work it way down. Wait, like I said, way down until you get to that hip joint. Yeah. And it's just a simple ball and socket, just like your hip. You know, right. it's a round joint that sits in a socket. When you get to that point. You know, then work it from the underneath and the front and then from the back. And, again, just follow follow the right. bone. Yeah, you're following. Yeah, you're going right against. Right against the bone. Right against the bone. Mm -hmm. And all the meat's going to be on top. And yep. And you just work it down. You pop that hind quarter off. And then, um, you know, when you get to, like, you're talking about boning out, right? So a lot of the hunting that you and I have done over the years, it seems like we're kind of pushing back in there on elk. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to – I would rather carry quarters if I could. But, again – Right. It's it's not always feasible. Dude, I saw I saw something funny at the outfitter that we ran into out there. Mm -hmm. He quartered it out but he left all the fur on it. Yeah, which makes sense if you're gonna carry it in uh you know, panniers like on a horse. Yeah, he had all the the hair on it. Yeah, you might as well because it's gonna protect the meat, right? Keep it clean. Yeah, keep keep the meat clean. Um yeah, you know, I always cut the leg. Did he have the legs cut at the joint? Do you at least cut the legs yeah. off? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because every once in a while I'll see somebody packing like a full leg and a hoof, you know. And that's, I'm like, that's, that's Trail's pet peeve. If yeah. He, if he sees a hoof <laughs> that you're carrying out, he just thinks that's the funniest thing ever. <laughs> carrying a hoof out. <laughs> Leave the hoof <laughs> in the woods. <laughs> it is It is weird. And I guess that's something we should touch on. I think people think you got to have a saw, right, to cut that leg bone off. Yeah right at the joint and you don't i mean you can really do it with a, a knife i prefer a fixed blade knife if, if you got one and i do carry a fixed blade knife probably primarily for that purpose that and maybe some skinning yeah. but but yeah you, you just got to find that joint and typically i guess the best tip i would have for people out there is it's a smidge lower than you think it is it's just a little bit lower than you would think that joint is and once you find it you just simply cut into it you cut the tendon from the back, and then you just kind of twist that thing and pop it right off. And I've gotten to where I've done enough of them now. I mean, I can pop that thing off in, you know, five minutes. No hoof carrying for you. No hoof. I'm not carrying a hoof, man. There's too too much weight. Well, I think it's funny is even when you're deboning it, you cut it off. 
even though you're not even carrying it anywhere. You're just plopping it on the ground, and then you end up cutting all the meat off the leg anyway. Yeah, that's true. I think it's just because it's easier I, to that's handle. That's what I was thinking when you did it in New Mexico. Yeah. I'm like, we're not carrying these things anywhere. Why are you cutting that hoof off? I just think it's easier to handle, you know? Yeah, a little bit shorter, Yeah, not you as leave, heavy. You leave that one tendon that kind of runs between, you know, just right there on the back of the ham that you can use to pick that thing up. And, you know, if you're going to hang it, for right. example, um, those are great places to hang about, about a hindquarter from. But, um, yeah, I just think it's so much easier to work with because the, the, the lower leg on an elk is – you know what foot and a half probably long and then mm. you've got the hoof on it and the hide and everything right. it's just heavy and it bends and flops around and it's hard to deal with so i cut that thing off yeah yeah it's one of the first things i cut off yeah so basically you get an animal down you're quartering out the animal mm-hmm. depending on whatever if you can carry the quarters to your truck that's probably the preferred best method to do but if you're a backcountry hunt yeah, we're, we're boning out. Yeah, you're you're boning out. So now you have your quarter. And another, I think a tip here too is having something to cut your meat on. Because like a lot of the times, like if you don't have something to lay on the ground that you can cut your meat on, you're like throwing it on a log or like some some rock or something. And it's which it's always kind of trying to slide off. It's a pain in the ass yeah. to deal with. It's a whole lot better if you just bring like a, a hunk of Tyvex or you know a hunk of Polycryo or something like that that you don't you know it's pennies on the dollar <laughs> right and you could just throw your meat on it and then work on it mm-hmm. yeah we should note before i go on so we talked about the boneless me- not boneless but the gutless method how do you get the tenderloin out can you get the tenderloin you out? can get the tenderloin how out. do you get it out? first you got to take out the back straps yep and take, the hind quarter yeah you get those off and what i like to do so like if you go on the back straps like there's your rib cage, right? Mm-hmm. So if you go in through each one of those holes, you can kind of loosen it up, cut where all the tenderloin is. If you go right in between each rib, and it kind of sits right behind the last rib. Yeah, it's right. Way, yeah, in the back. And you can kind of reach in and fill it with your hand. I mean, you can grab it. It's a pretty sizable chunk of meat on an elk. Yeah, it's nice if you have two people and you have one person like pushing back the guts, mm-hmm. and then the other person going in there. The thing with tenderloin is like you really don't need to like. They almost pull out. Like you need, you need to cut them a little bit, but like they're so tender, like they literally fall off the bone. Yeah, you really only have to cut them at each end, kind of where they connect, and then uh, you can cut like against the rib cage. But the connective tissue that sits between like the guts and the actual uh, tenderloin, the meat itself, it's almost non-existent. Yeah. So yeah. once you get the cut across the top, it's along the you know the backside of the ribs, if you will. Yeah, that's why if you come in from the rib side, mm-hmm. like on top, you can. Yep, you can about pull that thing out. Yeah, yeah. If you and do I that, and it just almost just pulls right out. Yeah, and I would I would say. Don't ever forget that hunk of meat. It's the best cut of meat, oh my in God. my opinion, on the animal. It's the first piece of eat, meat we I eat. Um, I mean, funny enough, that bull that I killed this year in Utah on the bow hunt, my camera guy and I, you know, we had hunted all day. It was the, what, second to last day that my camera guy was going to be there. And he'd pretty well run out of food at that point. I mean, I don't think he'd eaten anything that day. He was, yeah. he was pretty down to, down to bare <laughs> bones. Yeah, so we, uh, you know, we got all the meat off, got, got it quartered up and everything, and got the head off. And, you know, I cut out a tenderloin, and then uh, I cut out kind of a big hunk of fat that kind of sits back there by, um, you know, by the tenderloin. It's that globular fat. Mm-hmm. And uh, I packed that down into the canyon, which we were camped way down in the canyon, maybe a mile and a half from where we killed the bull. And we got to camp that night about 3 in the morning. And we 
I used a, you know, just used a knife, cleaned that hunk of tenderloin up, sliced it real thin, and then we just took that fat and rendered it down over, um, you know, just by jet boil or whatever, my little Soto stove. We got like a nice, you know, thing of fat going and just uh, deep fried some some tenderloin. And I think he ate, I'll bet he ate three quarters of a tenderloin that night. Munched it all. Yeah, three in the morning, which is pretty cool. It was fun. It's funny, like we've done that before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we it's the best. Yeah, it's... I mean, we didn't have any seasoning. We didn't have, you know, salt, no. pepper, which sometimes I do have. That time I didn't, which it would have been great to have. But, yeah, just deep-fried tenderloin at 3 in the morning after you've killed the bull was pretty pretty incredible. Yeah, take your time on the tenderloins. I feel like some people mm-hmm. get in there and just start just like, oh, my. Because it's, I mean, t- it's towards the end. Your back probably hurts. Oh, yeah. And it, and it definitely is a tougher one. It's, the t- it's probably one of the toughest punks you try to get out. It's a little harder to get yeah. out. Not super hard. No. But but a little bit. And I feel like some people just like, they. that's at the point like where it's pure hack job going on. Yeah. And I've hunted, you know what's weird is I've hunted with people that have hunted most of their lives. And, you know, I've done the whole, you know, gutless method. And they're hackers. Well, they didn't even get it out. He was just like, just thought it was kind of a lost cause. Like, I don't, you know. I can't get it. I can't get it if I don't gut it. And I'm like, oh, no, we can we can get it. We can get it. We can definitely get it. The only thing about the gutless, um, which my brother had a question, is what do you do if you eat the, the organ meat? So what if you're, you're pulling a liver and a heart? What do you do there? I mean, you can cut the cavity all the way up through the ribs. Yeah. You'd have to have a saw. Like, if, if you knew you were going to eat that, you bring a saw, and if you cut, all the way through, like the brisket, and just like yeah, you could you could cut through the couple ribs there in the upper chest cavity and pop those out. I also think you can go in, you know, just in front of the chest there and and reach in and pull those out. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's a complete loss. Um, you know, I'm not a I've eaten heart and I like heart. I'm not a liver liver eater. I'll <laughs> Me either. I don't know if that'll set right with people, but I just, I I don't like liver liver no. liver and onions. Yeah. That's what everyone does. I know. And we used to as a kid. My brother still likes liver. He'll still do liver and onions. Much but for on me, it. it's just not. I don't think I don't think it's my jam. Yeah. So deboning. Yeah, deboning. Yeah, deboning's pretty – it sounds complex, but it's actually pretty easy. You just find the, the grooves in the muscles. Yeah. And you, you can fill them with your hand. Um, you know, make those cuts right along the grooves in the muscles, and you can fill those, those little – I don't know what you call them, separations between the muscle groups. Right. And basically, I mean, you just pull the meat off the bone. I mean, you follow those grooves and, and pull it yeah. off, and you can essentially cut that whole back hind ham off in one piece. Right, yeah. And and then just get your lower shanks. Yeah, I mean, even if you didn't, even if you really didn't know, like, what you were doing, like, yeah. you're essentially getting the meat off, off the, the bone. bone. <laughs> as long as the meat's <laughs> off the bone, you're going to be good. Yeah. Like it's not, it's yeah. just you, start cutting. Like you're you're going to do some trimming at home right. if and you do it that way. Like if you pull them off in like individual little separate pieces, I mean, you're going to end up having some dry skin on the outside once that kind of cures out and you're going to do some extra trimming at home. But yeah, I mean, that's it. Essentially that's a, the, the bone has, you know, the meat has to come off the bone. Yeah. And it's yeah. And the, and the front quarter is very similar. You know, if you feel a front quarter, you've got a ridge that kind of runs down the middle of the shoulder blade there. You're basically just going to run your knife along that on each side and then just peel the meat out from there. And you're just cutting right along the shoulder bone as you go, just kind of flaying it off. And then just like I said, those lower shanks, you're just going to make those cuts and and pull those lower shanks off. And most of that shank meat for a lot of people, I mean, I know that people are doing, you know, roast with it and slow cooking it and whatnot and doing azabuco and all that stuff. Azabuco? Azabuco, isn't that what they call that? What the hell is azabuco? Cody would know. He's a food 
Azabuco, see? What the hell is that? It's like slow roasting with a bone in. Like You're talking about like the calf? Yeah. Oh, yeah, those lower, I'm not slow roasting Those that lower shit. shanks, but a lot of people do. I it's grind that shit to no end. And that's what I was going to say is I think most people make burger out right. of that anyway. So, I mean, you know, get it off the bone, cut it up. You're going to cube it up anyway and probably make burger out of it, which right. is what most people do. That's what I do. So now it comes to game bags. Yeah, game bags. We ba- got hot takes on game bags. Yeah, let's talk about game bags. What Everyone's game bags are too goddamn big. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah, what do you take for game bags? How many? Like, we're going on an elk hunt, archery elk hunt. How many are you taking, and and what size? I mean, I think three. Three game bags. Total. Three total. I'll probably take all the same size. Mm-hmm. I don't know even, like, I don't know what the exact size is, but if I look at it, like, I usually I go through my weird assortment of game bags that I have from the years past, and I hold them up, and I'm like, nope, too big. Too big. Nope, too small. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just right. And I try to take three of those the exact same size. Yeah. Because I know most of the most of the animals I'm taking out, I'm deboning. Yeah. So I, 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 I know I can get a full elk deboned, like, Max is going to be three game bags. Like in Wyoming, we filled two game bags. Full elk. Yeah, that's bone out. Bone out. Completely deboned. Two game bags. Yeah, and then maybe an extra game bag for a cape if you're going to carry a cape in it. Mm-hmm. It's it's Those capes are a pain in the ass. You know, they're super floppy. They go all over if you don't have some way to, like, keep those contained. So the game bag's nice for the cape if you're going to mount it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and, like, going back to what you said, I, th- I think a lot of people's game bags are too big. I, th- I mean... So, for example, you know, relatively our best seller, one of our best sellers in the gear shop are the Caribou Gear Game Bags, right? And we carry three sets. We carry the Wapiti, which should be your elk. Mm -hmm. We carry Muley, Meat on the Bone, which should be Muley, you know, quarters, full quarters. And then we we carry the High Country Carnivore. Um, You know, if I pull out one of those Wapiti Game Bags, I mean, those are built in their minds for quarters, full quarters in those. And even for that, for me, it's too big. Like, I can fit... uh, I can fit an elk quarter if I'm going to carry it bone in and a muley meat on the bone game bag. Um, it, it's kind of, it might be a little bit of a tighter fit, more of a snug fit, but for me, I mean, it doesn't matter. I'm just there to protect my meat anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I can fit it in there and save some weight over a bigger size, I might as well do that. And like you're saying, my, my preferred game bags are, you know, like the, the carnivore high country, which are the, a little bit more narrow. They're long, and I think what you're saying is that thing has to fit on your pack, right? Right. No bigger than the width of my pack. Uh-uh. I don't want any spillage. Yeah. I don't want any... Slop. Right. Because then all... all it, and I learned this from you. It's just... It makes it a shittier carry yeah. on your back when you have a big hunk of meat out of your... It's not out of your game bags, but it's like spilling out. Yeah. Because it's such a big game bag. And like when you cinch it down, it's just like... Sp- Splidging out out of this out yep. of your size. Yeah, it, if it's too wide for what you're putting into it, all that weight just kind of settles and it wants to push out to the sides. Either that or it goes straight to the bottom, <laughs> dude. And you pack that <laughs> thing and you have all of the weight riding on your ass. Yeah, which is not not a pleasant experience. Uh huh. Yeah, so I would say be be cognizant of game bag size, even for elk. You know, like I said, my preference, I really like those muley meat on the bones for full quarters. Mm-hmm. And then I like that high country carnivore for bone out. And I will say when you, I guess now I'm probably going to like how you're packing your game bag onto your onto your pack, right? Mm-hmm. So you got it in a game bag and now you're, you're loading up your load shelf onto your pack. I think it is 
super important how you have that meat placed on your pack so it's going to ride I don't I don't think a lot of people think of that like if you just throw your game bag into your load shelf and like willy-nilly it and whatever mm-hmm. like packing it out's not going to be that fun and you're just going to say to yourself oh that's just that's just, just carrying it is. right that's just carrying a heavy pack there's been sometimes <laughs> where I've I've done it like that and I packed mm-hmm. it out, I'm like this is terrible like I can hardly walk and then there's been sometimes where I've taken my time you know, push some of the meat up so it's not all right at the bottom. Like, I want my meat to sit on my back from top to bottom. I want it to be equal weight from the bottom of my meat bag to the top of my meat bag. So it's, like, even across my back, not all of the weight in one area. And that goes to having a a good size game bag. Right. Because if it's too wide, it's going to settle and it gets sloppy. Yeah, so if it's too too wide, you got to keep that thing high and tight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how do you... uh, I mean, dude, I, I prefer when I'm putting my game bag, like I'm, I am making, I'm pushing meat up. T- I want that shit higher up on my back. Yeah. I want it as high up as possible. Yeah. How many people have we hunted with that just take, take the meat bag and throw it inside their back? <laughs> A decent amount. <laughs> decent amount, which it works. I mean, if you, if you're not hauling camp back to, right. back to the truck and you're just hauling meat, I mean, you can throw it in your backpack. It is going to settle clear to the bottom of your pack. It's literally riding on your ass. Yeah. It's riding as low as it can possibly get on your frame, Yeah, which for and me, one of the biggest selling points of like a stone glacier X curve frame or crux Evo frame is the, the position of their load shelf. And, you know, for those of you out there that have one, you'll kind of know what I'm talking about. But like on that X curve frame, the bucket, the load shelf that sits between the bag and the frame. It sits up maybe four inches, three to four inches off the base of the hip belt. And so I can take that meat, I can load it, I can use the bucket and the cinch straps to cinch that thing higher up my back. And I want that thing up off my hips. Like when you get that much weight, you want it up above your hip line. Because mm-hmm. if it, if like frees my hips up, like I can walk normal, you know? Right. And for me, I don't know why, I don't know why you wouldn't use the load shelf. <laughs> no. Yeah, one one trick that I've even if I when I have a game bag that's too big, is when I'm putting it in there, I'm p- positioning the meat. Like I literally put that thing flat on the ground, and I'm pushing the meat to the top of my game bag, and then I'm cinching the bottom. Mm-hmm. And then so then like some of the meat like starts to fall, but it's it can't go all the way to the bottom because I've already cinched, cinched the bottom. It up. And then I'm pushing it up some more, and I'm cinching again because it's gonna settle as yeah. you go, but it's gonna Gravity. help prevent like the whole entire weight of that meat bag to be riding at the very bottom of your ass. Yep. And it's the same thing. Like if you use, I mean, we carry stone glacier or we carry uh, mystery ranch packs as well. And their load shelf does sit towards the base between the bag and the frame. But when you load that thing, if you pull that in as tight as you can, so essentially you're creating a V, you know, at the bottom mm-hmm. of your pack on that load shelf, you're pulling it in as tight as you can so that you can keep the bulk of the weight higher up the frame, the better it'll, it'll carry better. Yeah. Yeah. Just think about pushing that meat up as high as possible on yeah, your back. When get, you're get you up putting higher. that thing in the loach, it'll make you feel ten times better <laughs> when you're hiking. Yeah. Even though it doesn't feel that nice at the beginning, I mean, it doesn't feel nice to pack out meat hardly ever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I've done it enough times where I've had experience where I'm like, oh, my, I packed this thing like shit. And you can definitely tell versus if you pack it nice, keep it up high. Yep. Like the difference when it comes to walking. Yeah. And I mean, I think people have the tendency, myself included, is, you know, you're at the end of the day, you're tired, you know, you know that you're about to pack a lot of meat and you kind of rush it, like you're saying. 
um, you know, take the time. You know, typically I'll take my pack, I'll get to the load shelf, I'll lay it out flat on the ground so the, you know, the hip belt's facing the ground. I'll tip those hip belts out so it's just laying flat on the ground. Get my pack separated from my load shelf. So I've got my frame, my load shelf, my bag, and I'll just lay that bag out and I'll lay the game bag with the meat in it on the load shelf and I'll take the time to really get that thing cinched in and tightened up. Make sure that all my buckles up both sides, you know, any kind of cinch straps that I can, you know, use to lock that thing down because the, the more secure you get it, you know, to the frame, the higher up the frame, the better it'll carry. Yeah. Dude, I think it's been easier to put heads on top of packs without the top lid. It is. For it's way easier. <laughs> way easier. Top lids suck. Yeah. <laughs> Another hot take. Yeah, I'm not I'm not down with the top lid. I don't like a top lid. Dude, it's ten times especially with like the Stone Glacier packs, it has those like it, it's made for you could run it without a top lid too. So yeah, it's got extra straps run it, run on it top. In mode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you can just take those, wrap it around the antlers and then just hook it back into your Oh, and it sits points. perfect. Yeah, and they sit perfectly right there on top of your pack. Yeah. Yeah, works works really well. What do you uh what do you do when you get home with your meat? Pray to God I have enough freezer space. I was gonna say, how's that been with two elk? What do you What are you doing? Oh, I have to buy a new. I have to buy another freezer. Another deep, a deep freeze. Yeah. What do you have now? Just like a regular. Yeah, I just have a chest freezer. Like a small chest freezer. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And then another tip for when you're putting your meat in the freezer, put it in a garbage sack. So it doesn't. You mean if you if you're if you're working on it, right? Like if you don't have time to process it, right? When, when you get home, or yeah. you can't hang it and age it. Yeah. Or like, I mean, for me, uh, I'm coming back to Vegas. It's 90 <laughs> degrees. Like I have to have this thing in a freezer, no matter. I don't have anywhere, <laughs> anywhere to, put it. to hang it. Yeah. You can't dry age it. There's there's <laughs> none of that happening here. So like, every time I come back, it's instantly into the freezer. And we've had people in the office that have put their stuff in the freezer. And they just throw the game bag into the freezer. Mm-hmm thinking yeah whatever it's gonna I'll, get, I'll pull it, it out and work on it when i get a chance that thing is going to be frozen solid and it is it freezes right to the freezer and they literally have to unplug the freezer and like defrost the whole thing to get the meat out get the game bags get out. the meat out so put it put it in a garbage sack so then it can't freeze to to other things but then the problem i ran into this year so my freezer was like pretty full mm -hmm. i had to like take stuff and put it in my my like fridge freezer and like fill that to the brim and i had three ginormous bags game bags of a full elk and i'm i have it jammed in there like completely like as tight as possible like there's no no room right i had them in garbage sacks and everything but what happened was i had it in there so tight like all the meat was like from this game bag to that game like they like formed around each other right because i had it in there so tight and like pushed in certain directions Mm -hmm. So I basically made like a, one huge chunk. It was a puzzle. Yes, <laughs> it was a puzzle, and that thing does not come out. We should know he's not putting the meat in a garbage sack. He's putting the game bags right with the meat in it in a garbage, in a garbage sack. sack. Yeah, yeah, because that. Yeah, and don't, don't use the scented garbage. Sacks. Mine was scented. Oh, it's well. <laughs> <laughs> all I had. Oh no, I bet that's. <laughs> It wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. You don't but get dude, like a the nice the flowery, flowery aroma when you're, you're processing. I, don't, I hope not. No. <laughs> I didn't get it, I don't think. But then, yeah, basically what I had was like, because I had the bags like twisted in different directions. Like it, I had like one locked over another one and then it froze like that. So it's basically just locked. Yeah. So what'd you do? You have to thaw your freezer a little yeah, bit? Yeah, I had to unplug it and yeah. I had to do some real cranking. Dude, I was standing, no shit. 
like here's the chest freezer. You open the lid. I had my two feet because it's so goddamn heavy. You have to get right above it. So I'm like standing over my freezer with my feet on top. You should have got a video. And I'm I'm lifting. I mean, you're talking like 80 pounds of game bag, so it's like yeah, they're heavy. Lifting these things out like a crane. It's the only way I could get him out. I wasn't strong enough to just mm-hmm. arm it up. Like I had to put like my legs <laughs> into gotcha. to get him out. So then, what's your what's your process? Do you do you do, you do it at home? I did do I did do some at home. Uh, I've processed like white tail hunting. We'd always process all of our your own game. Yeah, all of our own game meat. Like we we'd make it like an event kind of thing. Like all of your buddies come over. You drink beer. Yeah. Watch football. I mean, highly recommend that. It yeah. sucks to do it by yourself. Yeah, it's really time consuming. Yeah, it's, yeah it's that, that's the only thing with it now is it's. When you say sucks, it doesn't suck. It's just it's time consuming. Yeah, it it's, takes. It's a chore to, you know, trim, then you know, lay your meat out. Then you got to take the next step to wrap it, you know, label yeah. it, and put it away. And if you're doing that every single time, it's yeah, super and time consuming. We actually have uh, a couple of videos on our YouTube channel. Yeah. Of processing meat. If you guys want to check those out, it's goes from like full-on quarter deboning it to grinding it all that stuff which is kind of the same thing as when you're cutting up an elk like it it's kind of intimidating if you've never done it but mm-hmm. it's it's really easy yeah i mean it's essentially you know trim silver skin you know in some cases i'll leave silver skin so if you've got like a back strap you know sometimes i'll cut those into stakes sometimes i'll just cut chunks and i'll just leave like a chunk of back strap and i'll leave the silver skin on it just to kind of help add a little bit of added protection you know to the you know saran wrap so i typically what i'll do is i'll wrap mine in saran wrap and then i'll put it in freezer paper right. you know tape it up push as much air out of it as i can and then freeze it but you know, some people do the whole vacuum seal. I don't have a vacuum sealer with the bags and all that. So I still, you know, cut saran wrap and then wrap mine in freezer paper. But, um, yeah, sometimes I'll leave some, you know, freezer skin on. just gives a little bit of protection. And then, you know, when I pull that thing out, thaw it out to cook, um, I'll just trim, you know, trim silver skin then. And a lot of times I'll leave back straps, you know, in chunks. Oh, yeah. I like them in chunks. Yeah. It's kind of nice to have it in chunks. I mean, Every once in a while, you know, instead of doing steaks, we'll do a roast or something with it, you know, and it's kind of nice to just have a nice chunk of backstrap or whatever. Yeah. What do what do you do with? I mean, do you do you steak most? You steak your backstraps? Yep. So yeah, I'll do. I like steaks, roast. I'll grind a lot, and then for my grind, I like doing different. Like I'll do hot Italian. I'll do breakfast sausage, and a lot of that is it's not as hard as what maybe it seems. You're literally just putting in different seasoning and then different fat if you want mm-hmm. you could you could literally use the same fat and then throw in breakfast sausage seasoning into that ground and y- it'll taste like breakfast sausage gotcha it's just adding seasoning to the ground meat you yeah. make hamburger and then you're adding seasoning to make it taste italian sausage to make it taste yep. and if you really wanted to like really wanted to be italian sausage you could use pork fat instead of beef fat yep do you uh so that's one thing. I mean, you do all your own ground, right? You have a grinder. Yeah, we. I use the Go Hunt that meat grinder, which is a real treat. Yeah, the made by meat. Yeah, meat, meat your maker. Meat your maker. Yeah, meat your maker. Uh, food processing. Yeah, and that you know, thing processing. cranks. Yeah, and I I bought one. I mean, I bought mine. I think at my local cow ranch a few, you know, many several years ago. But it's just a limb, right? I think it was like three hundred and fifty bucks or something, which is kind of middle of the road as far as grinders goes. But it does it does a great job, you know. And I mean. You figure if you pay to have a, an animal processed, I mean, 
you know, buying a grinder, it would pay for itself if you did your own, you know, two or three times. So if you, you think you're going to hunt, you might as well just go ahead and pick up your own yeah. grinder and do your own. Yeah. I, I think the biggest thing with meat process your own is cleaning it. Having good, clean meat is going to give you the best taste in the end. There's nothing worse than, you know, if you have somebody butcher it, you know, and, you know, they either they're busy or backed up or whatever it is and, and you get a product i mean I, i've had great luck with the butchers i've used i mean you know i've used tugney over to Penguich. by the way i don't know if you want i i throw his name out there but i don't know if he's taking any more wild game but he's not so don't even try <laughs> <laughs> but the meat that i've had him do he's done phenomenal you know there's a few of them around that just do a phenomenal job um you know blood's custom meat and anemone i've had them i've had phenomenal product from those guys but you know 15, 20 years ago, I had, you know, some other guys do it. And, and, you know, when you get it back and, you know, there's some hair in it or some silver skin, you know, some silver skin and just, you know, it, it doesn't, just doesn't make you feel good. So no. you want, you want it clean and, yeah. and well, the more, the more of. clean and trimmed up, you can have it before you grind it or anything, the better it's going to taste in the end. Cause that's where all your gamey flavors coming from is from the hair, from the silver skin. Mm-hmm. I have, I, my, I took one to the butcher last year and I got it back, and it's just wasn't great. Not happy about it. Yeah, that's a bummer. Like I can, like I see hair in the ground, like I can see silver skin, like and you open the package and you can just smell like gamey. You can just tell that is one gamey son of a bitch. <laughs> but there are ways you can overcome the gaminess. <laughs> you just really got to cook the shit out of it. Se- seasoning is that what you? <laughs> <laughs> Chili tacos. <laughs> Do you mix uh, fat with your burger? Yeah. Yeah. So what do you do? I think the last one I did was, I think it was like 95, 5, 95, 10. I just go, I go into the grocery. 90, 10? Yeah. (laughs) Not 95, 10? Well, it might have been 95, 5, 5 or something. (laughs) I I don't like measure it out exactly. Sure. I just go in there into the grocery store and say, hey, I need three pounds of beef fat. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I don't and, know, like, a lot of the times, I mean, the grocery stores around here aren't, like, your normal fucking grocery stores. Like, in Iowa, like, I go, hey, I need three. It's like, here you go. Like, they already have it ready to go. They're like, oh, we need to trim some up. Come back in an hour. Mm-hmm. But, gotcha. yeah. And it's just literally beef fat that they've trimmed off. And I know some people will do bacon ends. I know Brady does bacon ends, and, you know, we, we've we done some, uh, some content here where we did some burger in the shop, and... You know, he had these nice big pre-packaged bacon ends yeah. that he bought at the grocery store. I haven't had a ton of luck finding those at my local grocery stores. Um, I've used bacon, just like simple bacon, you know, like trimmed bacon and mixed that in and done that. If you go into a – go to your butcher and ask him for bacon ends. Yeah, same, same thing. Go to a butcher. A lot of grocery stores will carry bacon ends. and, and like basically what it – bacon ends and beef fats literally trimming off of – like when they're trimming up steaks, it's they're taking that yeah, fat off. Yeah, it's of that it. fat. Yeah. And it makes it a, a really nice – burger product you know like a 90 10 like you're saying yeah the bacon ends i've done it before and i really do like it but it's like i almost feel like i just have to make a hamburger out of that i got bacon in it (laughs) it's like i'm gonna make bacon tacos spaghetti bacon in my my spaghetti (laughs) well i mean it's just a little flavor too it's just a little fat right yeah I mean, it tastes like bacon, though. I mean, a lot of the stuff that i grind i won't do anything in it i know you're i'll just grind grind it straight super lean and, you know, I'll cook it in olive oil or something like that. If How I'm do you get, spaghetti. like, shit to stick together? Uh, if you do a burger or something, you got to mix in some, like, egg white or 
you mm-hmm. know, something like that to kind of help is emulsify the word I'm thinking of. I don't even know what that word is. I think it means it's stick together. Emulsify? Good blend. I don't know. So I don't you, know what the word I'm so looking you'll for take is. Just, you'll have grind meat, and you'll just grind it with no fat in it. Yeah. Yeah, just regular grind meat. I'll grind it. I mean, we do spaghetti out of it a lot. We do, fat we do tacos out of it. I don't know. Maybe I haven't. I, like I said, I've been to grocery stores where I live, and bacon ends aren't readily available. Just ask for beef fat. Yeah. Beef fat's better than bacon ends. Is it? In my opinion, yeah. Okay. I'll have to try that. Beef fat's way better. Yeah. I'll have to try it. But, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the time we'll just do, you know, if I'm going to actually do burgers, like I said, I'll have to get, like, a, you know, egg or something like that to kind of keep, keep the burger together. So, like, this is after you've ground it, and then, like, mm-hmm. you're going to you're cook it. It's frozen, and you're going to cook it. You de-thought. And it's de-thought. I'll mix in. You know, you're going to make a burger. Mm-hmm. You crack I'll mix an it, egg. Yeah, and, yeah, mix in some seasoning, crack an egg, put it there, kind of keep it together, hold it together. And it, it's kind of a, it's a little bit different texture, but it will hold it together, you know, and you yeah. get a good burger out of it. Yeah. So yeah, it, dude, get some get some beef fat. Yeah, don't, you don't even need it l- that much. Oh, I'm sure. Just a little bit makes it makes it that much better, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And then all you for the different seasonings. There's lots. Oh, that's why I don't know why you don't do any seasonings either. I usually do it when I cook it. I'll season it. Yeah, yeah, and we don't need a lot of breakfast sausage. So I've I've not oh, done sausage. I gotta have it all. I got a brother that really likes doing uh, summer sausage. So he's got a smoker, and he'll do summer sausage. He'll do like a jalapeno cheddar summer sausage, and that's really tasty. See, some stuff, I've like easy stuff I'll grind up. You know, if I have some stuff that I want like specialty, like brats and mm-hmm. summer sausage and sticks, like shit I can't do, take to a butcher. Sure. Do you do you twice grind yours? I, I, I did the last one, and I, I was kind of pissed about it. Really? took forever <laughs> to get a better product dude i tried like? going one that was like super fine i'm like oh this is gonna be so nice i'm mm-hmm. like nope took that thing off instantly yeah so yeah I, had, I did twice grind it though okay with the the, the, the bigger grinder mm-hmm. the coarse grinder the bigger holes and the in the, the yeah. little attachment yeah but it was i mean it definitely yeah i, I mean it makes it nicer i know brady nicer, does his a nicer product he for runs sure his twice through the coarse grind yeah I did it just like that. Yeah. But it also helps when you have nice equipment like that. That's just like. Yeah, that Meet Your Maker stuff is. Cranks it out. Is really nice. Yeah, and I did all that vacuum seal and stuff. Because mm-hmm. what sucks is wrapping. I'm a terrible rapper. Yeah, as am I. I'm well, so I, bad at rapping. I'm pretty good at it, but my kids aren't that great, which sometimes I'll rope them into, you know, doing it with me. But yeah, the vacuum seal is pretty slick. Yeah. It took me a hot second to figure it out. But yeah. One thing I would say is, like, if you're doing it on your own, it really helps if you got a buddy or two or if you got some kids, you know, put them to work, you know, wrapping and labeling and and funneling that stuff down to the freezer, you know, while you're continuing to either grind or cut and trim. Dude, so I did one game bag of meat. It was from the New Mexico Bowl, mm-hmm. and it was the one that had, like, all the neck meat, back straps, tenderloins. Mm-hmm. It was probably 60 pounds, 70 pounds of meat took me five hours yeah by myself Mm -hmm. like it was a full ass day of cutting meat yeah i would say if you're gonna do a whole elk and you're gonna do it on your own cut wrap label i mean you're into that uh, for me personally i'm into that like a couple nights oh yeah probably you know from like five till ten you know maybe two Mm -hmm. or three nights in a row so i have a buddy lives in montana and this is what they do so when they shoot something they bring it back while it's still, like, 
you know, not frozen mm-hmm. or anything. And they trim it all up. And then they throw it into the freezer. And then just, like, whenever they have time, they just pull it out. All uncut. And then it's it's already trimmed up. Like, all you either, you're either making it a steak, wrapping it, or you're grinding it. Mm-hmm. So then they'll just, like, you know, this Friday they're going to do a bag. And then next Friday they'll do some. And then they just kind of space it out. Yeah. But they already have it all trimmed. And that's – the trimming is what really takes – Takes some time. Some time, especially by yourself. I mean, I, I'm i like you. Most of the stuff I hunt is early season, so I don't have a lot of time. So for me to, to hang it, right? My my brother loves hanging stuff. He's got a – he I think he picked up an old fridge, kind of hollowed out, took all the, you know, shelving out of it and everything, and he's kind of fixed it up so that he can hang quarters in his fridge. And so he'll do that. He'll put it in there and let it hang for – you know, a week or whatever it is until, and it does. I mean, that helps. It makes the meat more tender. He gets a nicer product out of it, but I'm kind of like you. I don't really have the spot to necessarily do that. And most of the time it's too early to just let it hang outside, you know, mm-hmm. and get like a nice dry age. I remember like my father-in-law talking to him, you know, when he was a kid, you know, they would go deer hunting and they would just take those quarters and hang them out on the North side of the house and they'd hang them for a while. You know, they'd go out there and like cut meat off of it periodically and cook, Yeah, you know, that's not really the case anymore because even in October, it seems like it's still in the 70s and 80s, right? But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a great option if you can hang it to age it, you know, at the right temperature. But if you can't, I, like you're saying, I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, freezing it and thawing it and pulling it out and working it through as you do, as you have the chance. Oh, and I'm still all about taking meat to butcher too. <laughs> yeah, if like you can. I, yeah. Like, yeah, I, mean, I have no problem paying a butcher mm-hmm. 300 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, Sometimes just like, oh, my God, <laughs> I'm not doing any more of this chopping. <laughs> yeah. I like to do it if I've got the time, right. like you're saying. If I've got a Saturday, if I've got two or three nights in a row that I can string together, I've got a little bit of help. I don't mind it because, like I said, it, it's like most things. I feel like if you do it yourself, you get a, a better product. Like nobody cares as much about that meat as you do. Right. It's your meat, you know, so I feel like I get a, a good product if I do it myself. So I do like to do it, but you're right. It is really time consuming and, you know, sometimes you don't, you don't have a time. seems like yeah. things are busy. These but days. The best butcher I ever took was that guy in Colorado. Yeah. That guy was really good. That guy crushed it. Yeah. I don't remember, what a beast. I don't remember what town that was in, but he we're did not going to say what town it is. He anyway. did a bang up job. I know exactly what town it is. <laughs> I might go back if I'm in Colorado. Yeah. Do you jerky any of it? Yeah. I used to do a ton of jerky back in the day and I, yeah. dude, I would do it like the same way you make jerky is just you know, get a big hunk of meat, cut it in thin slices, and I'd use that how my how mountain or high mountain seasoning. seasoning? Mm-hmm. And then l- you let it marinate for a day, and then I would cook it in the oven. So I'd put it in the oven like on broil, mm-hmm. and you just broil it with the door open for like five hours. Yeah, delicious. Yeah, and I've that was one thing I invested in is uh, I bought I bought a dehydrator, and it wasn't super expensive. It wasn't like top of the line. Um, it, it's just a, you know, regular dehydrator. I think it's got 10 shelves and I think two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I did, I think I did eight gallon size bags of jerky. So it was probably, I bet it was 30 pounds of jerky. It was a lot of jerky. Was it just big hunks of like roast and stuff? Yeah. So yeah, exactly. I, I took a lot of that meat. Um, you know, I didn't have time to like cut it you know, make steaks and all that stuff. So a lot of those I just left in hunks and I just dethought it at the time. And as I went through package by package, 
I just would dethaw them. I would slice them thin into jerky slices, just did it all by hand, and then, you know, marinate. So I did a couple of different recipes or marinades, I guess, this this time. One of them that worked out really good that I liked a lot was I just picked up this bottle of, uh, it's called, I think it's called Dakota Buckaroos <laughs> Marinade. And it's, uh, I just Dakota bought it up. Buckaroos. Yeah, it's called Marinating Sauce. And it's, you know, on the bottle it says for hamburger, steak, or chicken. Um I just took that and and marinated a big batch of that in that Buckaroos <laughs> marinade, and it's got like a real smoky taste. And that actually was some of my favorite, and that's one that I'll definitely use again. It's really easy because you don't have to have a bunch of different ingredients to put into it. You just dump, literally dump the bottle in there, let it marinate mm-hmm. for, you know, I think that one I let marinate for 12 hours with that sauce and dehydrated. It was really good. That was actually one of my favorite from this last last batch. But then my other one that I typically always do is I like to use uh, equal parts uh, Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire sauce. Yeah, yeah whatever it is. Yeah, that, soy sauce, um, brown sugar. So I like it a little, a little bit of sweet. S- gives a little bit of sweet. Salty and sweet. Yeah, and then to give it like a little bit of kick, uh, I've started using Cholula hot sauce. There you go. And they make... Uh, two different kinds i think one's like a mesquite it's kind of a smoky taste to it so i've been trying that one and then just like your regular cholula and then um you know some pepper some uh, onion powder and some garlic salt and that's kind of my go-to and that's the one that i've done forever and usually i'll let it marinate for like a full 24 hours and like i'll just take my hand stick it in there stir it up real good like every four or five hours Mm -hmm. so everything gets kind of equally coated and marinated and um, one thing about it, like, I mean, on a dehydrator, it'll kind of stink your house. I mean, it's, it smells good. I don't, I like the smell of it, right. but, but nobody else. It'll, <laughs> it'll stink it up good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it smells like roasting meats, yeah. right? Like your house will smell like it for a while. So I've, I've gone to doing it on my back deck. I've just got like a table out back on my back deck and I'll just stick that dehydrator out there. And, and it took, it might take me like eight hours to do like 10, you know, 10 racks and just pull that off, throw it in, you know, gallons of buck bags and freeze it. I throw it in my freezer. Do you marinate a lot of, like, your steaks or meat, Do you, like wild game, like when you're um, eating it? Yeah, probably. I, I do some. Yeah, not not a ton, but I'll do some. I've done a, a lot of that. I'll do uh, kind of like one of our favorite things is just, you know, cut the steaks and then prepare, you know, like a, you know, like a flour dip. So I'll put like some flour, salt, pepper, or maybe just like some Montreal seasoning kind of creates a coating and then just kind of deep fry it almost. Mm-hmm. And I'll do that with like mashed potatoes. Oh yeah. And gravy. I like that one quite a bit. Yeah. That one sounds delicious. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of like one of my favorite ways to do it. And it's super simple. I mean, I can do it and I will say it's pretty funny is my kids, my kids will eat, you know, elk or deer, deer steaks just about as well as anything. I mean, they will oh, flat yeah. out eat steaks deer steaks yeah. elk steaks they love that stuff especially roast? my little one yeah roast Dude, yeah hot roast oh i love Dude, roast stuff. anything i'm not kidding you i've thrown steak in that thing oh me too it's the best yeah like is you, you're just like like in a crock pot oh you can throw anything in that crock pot for seasoning whatever and you just throw any hunk of meat in there while get, and you just come home yeah. don't have to cook anything it's ready to go and it always tastes delicious yeah and by no means am i like you know i'm I'm not a big, I don't put a lot of time and effort into like recipes and stuff. I'm not a, a master wild game cook by any stretch of the imagination, but I mean, you don't have to be, I don't think. I no. mean, you can very simply just, you know, throw a roast in with like a, you know, soup seasoning right. packet, 
cook it on low heat for 10 or 12 yeah. hours kind of breaks down all that connective tissue and you know it's a great roast potatoes and i will say carrots. though a, a nice wild game cookbook is the way to go it is good the other thing i've been looking at is i don't you've been following along with like the the outdoor class yeah dude i got hank shaw's cookbook yeah so hank shaw he's got a whole you know a whole module, I guess, mm-hmm. of different recipes for venison, venison 101. You know, Jamie Teagan has also did one last season, and I've been kind of watching some of her recipes. And I will say that's one thing that, you know, every year, you know, if I kill an elk, deer, um, you know, antelope, I never feel like I do that thing full justice. Cause like when I see what some of these other people are making, like, you know, Hank Shaw or Jamie, I'm like, man, I'm not doing this due diligence. Right. Dude, I've been... Like, I try to mix, like, one thing out of that book, like, every week. I also, like, I like cooking a little bit, and my girlfriend likes cooking, and she loves wild game, and, I mean, we eat wild game for every single meal that we have, basically, mm-hmm. and, it, hell, more of it's just, like, ha- adding some, like, variety, you know, instead of eating, like, tacos or burgers or yeah. s- steak or chili, just, you know, trying something new, adding a little variety, shaking it up a little bit. Yeah. And they are delicious. I had, uh chili staked chili and it was uh you know we used loin like we used an elk uh-huh. loin part of an elk loin and kind of cut up into small chunks and then put that in chili i had that two nights ago and it was fantastic i i'm eating chili right now right. <laughs> <laughs> i got a spicy italian ground up oh I, nice that i threw in it and it is delicious yeah we had uh zuppa toscana soup you ever had that Mm-mm. it's like sausage um it's really good so I had that last night, and, and again, it was elk, so elk sausage. My favorite one that I got out of the Hank Shaw is uh, these kebabs, gyro. Oh, yeah, gyro. Gyro. Mm-hmm. So basically, you're taking ground meat, like ground, yeah. ground. Oh, that's right. Dude, I just take a ground elk hamburger, and it has all these seasonings that you put into it, so it tastes exactly like that. Mm-hmm. It's got all that like Greek seasoning. Then you, you do just like tzatziki sauce. Yeah, and you mash it up and put it around a like Skewer. a stick. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you got tzatziki sauce, dude, and it tastes exactly like it. Like you mistake it for like whatever that. What is that? Lamb. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Yeah. And that's just ground elk. Yeah, I love that. I mean, one another one of my favorites. I was trying to remember what we call it, um, but it's like broccoli beef. You know, like you get. You know, like a Chinese place, Chinese restaurant, it's like a broccoli beef, and it's just very lightly, um, you know, thin-cut chunks of steak. You do it, like, in an egg bath uh, with some seasoning, and you do that with, like, a teriyaki sauce and some broccoli, and that one's actually one of my favorite over rice. I love that one. I'm going to get hungry. I just ate. You know what I want to try? What's that? I want to can some shit. Yeah, bottle. Dude, I want to can some shit, and I want to bring it with me. Yeah. Dude, think how nice it would be like you're on a hunt and you are in your truck. Mm-hmm. You had a can of like elk pot roast or some shit. Yeah. You just pop it out, warm it up real quick. I got a buddy that does it. He, you know, he bottles it and he'll do it with peppers and um, and he'll pull that out and, and put some slabs on, you know, a hunk of bread, like a sandwich. And he eats that all the time and it always is good. You do all sorts of different flavors. I know. I need to. We both of us. Think, sounds think like we need to expand our horizons. Think about when you came home and you just don't feel like cooking anything. You just have a nice can meat up there <laughs> <laughs> it sounds gross but it sounds delicious <laughs> i want some uh, no i've had it several times it's tasty oh i want some canned meat so yeah i'm i've got some elk to do still you've got a lot oh, of elk I think. i've got two elk well 
two. I I did one game bag of one. How much do you give away? Do you give any away? I've I have this year. Have you? Just because I have too much. Mm-hmm. I've been giving a lot away. Yeah. Just. It's always fun. Yeah. yeah I'm always worried though. Like I'm like telling them like, you know, make sure there's not any hair. Like. <laughs> like. Can you give it away? Yeah. I'm oh. always because I want them to have like a good experience. Sure. But I've also I've also eaten game meat for a long time and like understand your tolerances right. are a little higher i feel like they are and i understand like how to prep it and make sure you know uh-huh. to make it taste as best as possible yep and then most of the time it's not never really that bad right out of the package but like you know if i see a hair in there i'm pulling out hair and shit like that but mm-hmm. i'm always worried like they're just gonna think it's super gamey and they don't want it because <laughs> yeah. i mean every once in a while you get a package that is super gamey sometimes sometimes you, know? you get steaks that are tough you get you get some shit that's a little bit gamey yeah and yeah. if you're not used for it, it's like, I always give them, like, God, I hope this one isn't a gamey one. You give them the good stuff, then. No, I just give them all, I was literally just reaching and throw them in the, in the <laughs> <laughs> You get some meat. You get some meat. You get some meat. It is kind of fun to share. Like I said, I've got brothers, and sometimes I try to, try to get those guys some meat if they haven't had any luck that year, you know, if they don't hunt. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's kind of fun to share with buddies. I mean, I don't have a family or anything, so I got two elk. Yeah, That'll last anyway. me, like, three years. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna have to start eating elk for every every meal. I mean, I basically do, dude. I'm still eating elk. How many times a week do you eat what elk? Oh, I mean, I eat game meat probably every night, damn near. Yeah. Pretty pretty much every day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would say we probably do four. I would say three to four days a week. You know, we're eating we're eating meat, game meat, elk, deer. But I mean, elk. for the longest time, I was living by myself. Oh, which you were probably really plowing through it. No, I mean, still, it takes forever. It's just, I'm feeding one mouth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, eat a whole elk Like, I, when I cook something, that shit lasts me for two days. So, yeah. like, dude, I still have elk from three years ago. You know, last last podcast we did, Brady went, he took a pretty, you were gone. Yeah, I heard did it. You, I was pissed. You did? What'd you think of that? He, he took, took a pretty strong statement. He said mule dude, deer. Dude, he's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> that is not true at all. He said mule deer tastes way better than elk. He says elk tastes sweet. Yeah, too sweet, he said. He's we should do a poll. That is the dumbest if you're thing I've ever this, heard. Drop a comment on our YouTube page. Let us know which is better, deer, mule deer or elk. Elk. Elk all the way. Elk's always better. Especially the mule especially the mule deer he's shooting that have been just running their ass off for a week straight. You know, like no way his can taste that good. I pitched an idea. I was talking to my brother about this last week. I think maybe I think maybe elk tastes a little better because they eat like a wider variety of stuff. So they're eating grass, they're eating forbs, they're eating browse, they're eating whatever. They're, they're like a cow. They get, they get, <laughs> yeah. What tastes better in a cow? Whereas a mule deer, mule elk. deer is mostly, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. mule deer is mostly just really honing in on, you know, sagebrush, Ugh. browse. I Nasty. Think I think that's why they're maybe a little bit more gamey. Sorry, Brady. Elk all the way. I think so, too. Team, team Elk, drop a comment below. Yeah. Tell Brady, Brady he doesn't he's, know. He's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it just tastes sweeter to me. <laughs> like, what yeah. are you talking about? Yeah. You make tacos. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's probably because he put two... I mean, everything he makes, he grinds it into bacon in, so I don't know how he can tell, taste the difference. It all tastes like bacon. Yeah. Which bacon does taste good yeah my brother likes to do bacon wrap tenderloins so he'll take those tenderloins oh. and wrap them in bacon and he likes that's like his jam 
That's what he goes with. I mean, you can wrap anything in bacon. Yeah, but it does give it a nice flavor. I bet. A little seasoning, some bacon. I'm hungry. Should we go eat? Let's go cook some, some elk. I think we should. Well. What else you got? I promo? Got oh, yeah. Hit, Hit us it. with a promo. Podcast 50? Yep. We're giving you $50 in the gear shop if you sign up. 50, 50 bucks. 50, 50, 50. We're covering 50 states for 50 bucks, and we're giving you $50 in the gear shop. Yep. Pretty sweet promo. I mean, application season's coming around the corner. We still got some hunts going. We got the holidays coming. Yep. All that you can benefit with that. You give us 50 bucks, we give you 50 50 bucks. bucks Fair is fair. That you can use in the gear shop, and we also give you Go Hunt Maps. Right. You can use that on your phone. You can download offline maps. You can use it on your desktop. And you get points back on your purchases in the gear shop that you make. So you're you're a member of that gear rewards program. So it's a no-brainer. Everyone's buying gear. You and need I, gear. I've, I've heard that our, our podcast promo is doing pretty decent. Podcast 50, if you haven't heard yet. Podcast 50. <laughs> Don't mess it up. Use it. Use yeah. it, abuse it. <laughs> Cook some wild game. That's enjoy it for ho- us. Enjoy the holidays. Just us two this time around. I think Brady will be back on the next one. Maybe. Yeah. We'll have to lay it on heavy. Yeah, we will.